0: Is that what you say to Levi before you put him to bed? I should start doing it. Maybe he would love me even more. Offer him a hairy teat, perhaps? Well,
1: that already happens. (laughs) (laughs) We are talking Barbarian today. Woohoo! This came out last year, so it's still new in our hearts, and we are super excited about it because it is a weird one.
0: Oh, I feel like this movie went viral like I feel like it was so popular because as people probably know by now which if you haven't watched barbarian stop listening to this go watch barbarian come back and then just geek out with us over this movie but the virality around it was around all of the like incredible twists and turns in this movie
1: it feels like I'm watching three movies almost I didn't know what to expect. I didn't watch the preview until right before we saw it the first time. And this did not go according to what my brain assumed would happen.
0: I feel like it's been a long time since I've watched a movie that was so surprising in its format. And the three different movies vibe, 100%. And I feel like as we're talking about this movie today, we're probably going to be talking about it in terms of its very clear three parts. Really cool cast. Justin Long, a horror staple. I know. I love a Justin Long horror movie. And because we had watched this together and didn't know anything about it, we didn't know that Justin Long was going to be in this movie. No, I
1: didn't do any reading up on this movie at all. So it was so cool when he pops up on screen and he pretty much plays like the same kind of character he always plays.
0: Yeah, the nice but not that nice guy. Yeah. We also have Bill Skarsgård, who is so perfectly cast in this movie.
1: When I see him, I just see the it clown. And so I already go into a movie not trusting him. He can't do anything about it. It's just his face now. He's not trustworthy anymore as a character, which really worked in the first act's favor.
0: Yes, it does. He was cast for and against type all at the same time.
1: Another cool person in this movie is Richard Brake, who plays the Night King in Game of Thrones. I know. How random. Super (laughs) random. That's the only thing I think I've seen him in. I know he's in... Uh, not House of a Thousand Corpses, but the other two movies in that
0: franchise. Yeah, I did not know that he had so much like horror cred under his belt. Our lead in this movie was Georgina Campbell, who I was not familiar with before this, but she's been in Broadchurch and Wildcat, Murdered by My Boyfriend. I have back not in twenty fourteen, any of these. I don't think I have either. um, That's not true. I've seen Broadchurch, but it seems like she's a little uh, more undiscovered than some of the other players in this movie.
1: I really liked her, though, and I really felt for her this whole movie. I love her character. But I think the most incredible performance was given by Matthew Patrick Davis, who plays the mother, really random dude. I've never seen him before.
0: Yeah. You said that he makes children's music in addition to. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Yes. He's
1: actually it seems like he's more known as a composer and he has worked with Disney on a few projects and has some of his work on a couple of children's albums. So I do recommend if you have kids, uh, we could definitely tie this into our kids horror and uh, go listen to his (laughs) albums.
0: He's adorable, by the way. I was so surprised at what he looked like in comparison to what the mother character full makeup looks like. He's friends with Doug Jones, who, if you guys remember, he plays
1: Billy in Hocus Pocus. He's in tons of movies. He's in Hellboy. You can never recognize him because he's got so much makeup on. So he's well-versed in this arena, and he suggested the light blue contacts that he wears as mother. It's a good choice. Yeah. And then fun fact, we don't see this person on screen, but Kate Bosworth is the voice on the phone. So this must be where they met since they're dating now.
0: I know because this movie came out in 2022. And I think Justin Long and Kate Bosworth announced that they were dating at some point in 2022.
1: Yeah. And this came out before House of Darkness, I want to say, which also has Justin Long and Kate Bosworth. And we don't recommend that one.
0: (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Well, this was directed by Zach Kreger from, if you've seen this show, Whitest Kids You Know. Oh. Yeah. He he was one of the guys in that troupe. But this is his first feature film writing and directorial debut. Wow. What a great mark to make with this film. Yeah, totally. Um, the budget was lean for Hollywood, four point five million, and grossed forty five million. I'm trying to think where the budget
1: would have gone. I guess the prosthetics,
0: maybe some of the cast too. I yeah, mean,
1: yeah, Bill Skarsgård is also a producer on this, so yeah, I don't know how that works, but it looks great for a low budget film. I'm calling it low budget. It's low budget by Hollywood
0: <laughs> standards definitely it's got a 92% on Rotten Tomatoes which if you've stuck around this podcast long enough you know that we entertain any horror movies over 45% (laughs) and
1: you know sometimes we enjoy the really low 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 scores like Jason X but uh these are the fun ones to unpack so why don't we get a
0: quick plot summary and then we can dive in Yeah. So as we mentioned, it feels like this movie plays out in three different acts. In the first act, we have Tess Marshall is a young woman staying in Detroit for a job interview. And she is arriving late at night in a storm to her Airbnb, which she finds has been double booked by a man. And it's this great cat and mouse almost scenario where you feel like, Keith is going to, I don't know, probably rape and murder her. But in the course of the day that they've both spent there, they discover that the basement has a secret tunnel system with what looks like a murder torture room, a monster (laughs) that's down there, and we get a hard cut into our act two with Justin Long, who is the owner of this Airbnb rental who is suddenly finding himself out of money who needs to go back to Detroit. He himself then gets caught up in this monster in the tunnel system along with Tess. And the third act of the movie is what happens between Tess and AJ, the actual owner of the house. So we want to take you
1: through the movie act by act, because each act, like we said, is semi self-contained as far as like mood and what sorts of questions surfaced in our minds as we were watching. So let's start with act one, in which I would say the monster of act one is the monster in the basement. What do you think?
0: I agree. I think that it's very clever because you want to believe that the monster is going to be Keith. And it's very cleverly done. Have you read or heard of the book, The Gift of Fear? No. What's that about? It's a nonfiction book that the director, Zach Kreger, had read that encourages women to trust their intuition and not ignore subconscious red flags that happen specifically in their day-to-day interactions with men. And so he wrote a 30-page screenplay based on this concept that was the first act of the movie. Oh, man. You know, that's funny. I was watching this thinking,
1: oh, she's doing the things. She's asking the right questions. She's wary. That you would yell at a horror movie heroine to do. I thought she was on top of things. Yes,
0: but go ahead. she's on top of things, but not enough to bail, right. She's wary but not so suspicious that she stops herself from actually staying at the Airbnb. That is very true.
1: As soon as she sees the dude in the house, I feel like I wouldn't have even gone to talk to him. I would have I just like would not have stayed. As long as she stayed. But the way she handles it once she does decide to stay, I felt like, okay, she is probably going to make it. She's paying attention,
0: at least. She comes out and sees that he's made her a mug of tea and she's very suspicious of it. Keith even lampshades the fact that it's suspicious that he has a drink waiting for her. I mean, that's one of the things they always tell women, right, is like don't accept a drink from a man. And so he then says, oh, well, I've got a bottle of wine here that they left from the Airbnb. I'll open this. You can see me open it. I'll pour it for you and we can enjoy it together. He's like egging her on to like do it. And she's like, oh, I'm not going to take an open drink from you, but I am going to sit and drink wine with you. (laughs) He does so many little things
1: that feel suspect. Like, especially as an outsider watching the movie, it's like, oh my God, don't trust him. Don't do that. Don't touch the T. Why is he so hellbent on getting her to stay? Like, why is he telling her about the locks? I mean, these are things that show that he is aware that this is weird. And mm-hmm. even that itself, which is such a bummer, right? Why we can't trust each other. Even that itself is suspect. Because why is this guy so hyper aware of everything?
0: What is he thinking? (sighs) Yes. And I think it's tragic because like, this is what we want from our men is we want them to be conscientious we want them to say like hey i know you think i'm a rapist but i'm not gonna rape you but if a guy said that to me yeah i would be like get the fuck away from me like i'm (laughs) like you are talking like a maniac right now
1: (laughs) right and i felt so bad
0: for poor keith he's a sweet guy he ended up being in retrospect such a sweet guy up until the point where he's murdered I was like, this guy's no good.
1: <laughs> I was like, girl, he's dragging you into the basement. Get away from him. Stop going after him. Like, how did he get so deep so fast in that basement?
0: I know. He's very tall. Maybe he has a long
1: stride. Long stride. <laughs> I was wondering if he got dragged. He must have gotten attacked. Oh, he must have. Before he could get away and find Tess again. What a conundrum. Poor Keith. He's so nice to her. He was like washing the sheets. He is acknowledging that
0: she doesn't have to trust him. On, Like I said, on retrospect, after you realize that he's not a monster, you're just like, oh man, all of these things that I was suspicious of of this guy were just him being a normal, reasonable guy. My biggest red flag was that he just so happened to be part of the group that she was there to do the documentary and research on. And I was like, there's no way. There's no way that he is actually part of this hyper specific group. Either he researched her and like found out what her interests were in order to like pique her and like warm her up to him. That was just so many alarm bells for me. Exactly.
1: Every time he would do something that made me feel like we could trust him as a character, he'd say something or do something else where I would be like, wait a minute. Now I don't know again. And I can only imagine how that would have felt for that character.
0: I know. I will say this first act is some of the scariest film that I've watched in a while.
1: I was clenching my fingers. I was all sweaty. I remember we were watching this on the couch together and we were both just sitting there like, ah, like screaming or like yelling at her <laughs> to do something different or questioning everything happening. One thing I did like about Keith, though, is uh, how he got that duvet set up. Have you ever tried that?
0: It's pretty great. I haven't. But how clever is that? I'm definitely going to have to try that one. Although I was so on the edge of my seat because I was like, oh, God, he's going to trap her in the duvet. (laughs) Like
1: a dog catcher's
0: net. Yes. Yes everything he did, I was like, he's going to poison her. He's going to catch her in the sheets. He's going to do something terrible to her while she's sleeping. He's going to put her in that
1: room. And then at night, he starts having weird like nightmares, which is creepy on its
0: own. But Tess's door is open. I mentioned how scary I thought this movie was, especially in this first act. And I think that The whole lead up to her getting locked in the basement was so scary. So scary. I mean, and she is, as you said, aware of like what's happening. Like she is setting up a mirror to get light into the tunnel. And I was like, this is very smart. The smarter thing would be to not go in the tunnel at all. (laughs) (laughs) That door closing on her just felt so paranormal.
1: It was so scary. I was really expecting something paranormal from this movie when that started happening, especially because something had come
0: up from the basement the night before. How did it come up if the door locks? Right. You would think that maybe it's like a faulty house or something. It makes you want to think it's paranormal, Mm -hmm. but it might just be a, a weird door or something. It's just a sad Detroit door. I love the reveal of what the neighborhood looked like during the day versus what she thought it looked like at night. Spooky. It was spooky. I, I don't think they even gave us a great shot
1: of the neighborhood at night. So when you see it, it's just shocking how dilapidated this sad little town is. It's Brightmore. It's actually a real place. And it's a suburb of Detroit, which you know has gone through some very hard times. And this place is no different. Even the woman she interviews for is like, you shouldn't be in Brightmore. It's a bad place. Get out of there.
0: I know. There's this like environmental, like creepiness to the town. I didn't know it was a real place. That's a really cool fact. And so you know that everything around them looks abandoned, which makes you feel even more like, oh, she's isolated out here either with keith <laughs> until you realize that keith is not a bad guy or with whatever is happening in this basement tunnel system
1: and she gets chased by some rando in the neighborhood yeah when she's outside and the way he runs after her is just insane like um dude were you expecting somebody to Reply back to you or wait, wait to talk to you, and you say, "Hey, little girl, come here while you're running at her. It's creepy, man.
0: I know terrifying Andre, who comes back in act three. Yeah, it's not the best approach.
1: <laughs> I did a little bit of research on Brightmore, not a ton, but I wanted to check out what it's like there today. And I kind of did some comparisons to my childhood home of Covina, which is not dilapidated or dying or facing any serious issues, and it wasn't when I was growing up, and I just kind of wanted to get a sense of the differences. So I looked up a house in Brightmore. It's two bedrooms, one bathroom. A little dilapidated, but it's got all the walls. It's it definitely needs a ton of work, but it's there. One tenth of an acre size lot. What do you think it costs? A hundred thousand dollars. Oh wow. Uh, no, thirty thousand. You could get this house oh my God. for thirty thousand dollars. You'd probably have to tear it down and rebuild. Probably be the best way to go about it. But you could, you could update if you wanted. Where you know houses in Covina go for four to five, upwards of six hundred k. Also, Brightmoor's unemployment rate is currently at twenty two percent. Wow, and Covina is at four point six percent. So I will not be visiting Brightmoor. <laughs> I don't know if anybody else will be, but uh, I'm with the woman doing the interview.
0: Don't go there. It needs some help. It needs some love. I'm so curious how Zach Kreger picked Brightmoor. I wonder what the research was behind that. I'll have to look it up after. The name is so sad. I
1: know. It's so ironic. We'll get to the third act. We do get to see Brightmoor in all of its glory, but... It's not like that anymore in this movie. Kate, I got to ask you, if you were in this scenario and Keith was trapped in the basement and calling for help and you could barely hear him,
0: he's far and away, what would you do? I want to believe that I would not help him, but I think I would. When I think of how I respond in my real life situations to things... I always feel like I'm on high alert because of how many horror movies we watched, that I'm like, I am not gonna die in a horror movie type situation. That is too ironic a death for me. So (laughs) I need to be better than that. I would wanna think that I would not go and help someone, especially if I had already seen what those like tunnels and that murder room looks like. But if it's someone that I know and who was nice to me, I don't think I would go and call the police before going to go look, look for them myself. So I probably would go look. Oh, boy. And it would be just like Tess. I know. <laughs> what would you do? Uh, I want to
1: think that I would have gone for the police. I know my own limits. And I am not going to be much help if he needs help. And it's dark and fucking scary. And I saw that weird room. I I would also just be like, wait, is this a trick? Like, is this how he gets his victims? You know, like, I just wouldn't go in there. If I had to, I would have bust out that window in the basement and go call the police, like get in the house again and Mm -hmm. and call the police. You know, if I had to pay extra for breaking that window, I don't think I would care because there's something really fucked up happening in that house. And that's more important than this window. So I do think I would have left. I think I might have at least. Called out to him, Hey, I'm gonna go get help.
0: <laughs> Hold tight. That's the smart answer.
1: <laughs> I mean, who knows what it would be in real life, but that was my instinct when I saw this movie. I was like, Turn around, get the hell out of here, go call the police, let them deal with it. Not that they're much help in this movie, but.
0: Well, the end of act one is Tess being caught by this monster. And then we have a hard cut into part two, which also is an incredibly drastic tone shift for the movie. It felt like
1: a relief. I was like, okay, I can chill out for a second. It's just Justin Long driving and singing.
0: The first act was such like a live wire from like start to finish that then this like Does really suck all the tension out of the room because you're like, oh, it's a sunny day. Justin Long is in a convertible. Like everything is right in the world.
1: Yeah. And you think you're going to root for this guy. But as it turns out, Justin Long is the barbarian of act two, you might say. Mm -hmm. He's been accused of raping a co star. And his agents or his handlers or whoever they are on the phone are like, hey, um, you're not going to be on this project anymore that you signed up for because this woman has accused you and nobody wants to work with you anymore.
0: I love seeing the downward spiral that this character goes on (laughs) where he is so disbelieving on the phone with his handlers to the time when he's talking to his accountant and his accountant says, you know, you've got Only so many months left (laughs) if you liquidate all your assets. And also, we don't take clients like you anymore.
1: (laughs) This guy is fucking. It's like
0: satisfying.
1: It is satisfying. You start off kind of on Justin Long's side or AJ, his name in the movie. I actually know it this time. I tried. So (laughs) give me a pat on the back, listeners. You start off thinking, okay, AJ, maybe he just had some bad luck. Maybe it was a misunderstanding because... Why not? Assume positive intent. He uh, he seems genuinely confused by the accusation. But as the act goes on, you learn more and more about his personality. And on top of that, he gives like a semi-confessional
0: to his friend at a bar. Yeah, he basically admits that he raped her. The way he's describing it is trying to downplay it, and it still sounds like rape. And It's so very you know. obvious, yeah. It's <laughs> so obvious. So he has to come to this property because he
1: actually owns this crazy house, and he wants to sell it to get some money back so that he's not living on the streets or whatever rich people do when
0: they run out of money. This was when the tension starts ramping back up, and I loved this because I was like "Ooh, we're going to bring everything back together where Justin Long AJ comes into the house and Tess and Keith's stuff is still there he calls the Airbnb management office to say like hey you guys didn't do a clean and I think there's squatters here and they say well no the last people should have checked out more than two weeks ago and so you're just like Oh, God, it's going to be a a nightmare for Tess if she's still alive. (laughs) Whatever's happened to her is not going to have been pleasant. AJ in this house is a
1: really funny parallel to like Tess and Keith, who had this really weird thing happen to them and they are wary of each other and the mood is very tense and uncomfortable. AJ gets here and he starts checking out the specs of the house. How's it looking? He goes into the basement. He sees this secret tunnel and he is like stoked. He is like, yes, I have more square footage I can sell. It's so funny. And I'm sitting there like waiting for the other shoe to drop, right? For this monster to come out. And he's
0: kind of getting away with it for a while. It is hilarious. And I think that knowing that the director, Craig, came from like a comedy background makes so much sense because this middle third of the movie is hilarious it is so funny he is not even
1: phased by that camera and bucket room
0: he's a true barbarian no he like sees it and he like runs away and comes back with a tape measure so that he can measure how much square footage is being added to this property extra bedroom in the basement (laughs) it's a real fixer-upper I have to ask how
1: he bought this house without knowing that people are still living in it or, you know, this tunnel existed. You bought a house. Don't people check things? How did they
0: miss that secret door? You know, it is possible for people to buy houses sight unseen. I think wealthy people do it all the time. But people who aren't particularly wealthy do it too. My grandma bought her house without ever seeing it in person. Wow. And this was just like four or five years ago. <laughs> Your grandma bought, is it a condo? It's in a, like a developed neighborhoods. It's not in like dilapidated Brightmoor. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so that, I mean, there is a difference. There's no history. <laughs> I, I
1: just have to imagine somebody at some point walks through the house, like an inspector
0: or a real estate agent. And how did they miss that? In Brightmoor, though, like I imagine that people are using their resources for other things. Like it seems like so much about this situation, I think with what you were saying about Brightmoor as a real place is the context for this is like, oh, this was able to happen for so long because people just write it off as, oh, well, it's a really, really, really bad neighborhood. I think I don't want to get like too far ahead of ourselves, but I mean, even when Tess runs into the cops later with her horrible story and like needing help, they're just like, Oh, you're on drugs. You're just a black lady on drugs. Oh shit, I guess my privilege is showing. Whoops.
1: <laughs> I wanted to find out. Like if you want to build a tunnel under your house, it seems like the kind of thing that would be illegal unless you get permits and it definitely is yeah because there's Mm -hmm. like important stuff down there like pipes and electricity lines and whatnot I don't know and this tunnel is long it's huge how big are these lots I have to imagine it went under his neighbor's house too
0: almost certainly there's a nice little easter egg in act one when Andre the guy who rushes Tess She's outside, and you have all these, like, houses of the neighborhood behind them, and they're all spray-painted and graffitied, and some of the graffiti seems to reference the monster, like, what's going on. There's, like, one piece of graffiti that says, death from below. You kind of assume, like, or I assumed, at least, that this whole neighborhood is, like, on top of this tunnel system at this point, which is so, like horrifying to think about. It is. I wish uh there could be some
1: sort of freak earthquake or whatever and the whole like town sinks into this maze of tunnels and madness. It'd be so gross. Horrible. I did want to look up tunnels to see what there was out there about tunnels. I wasn't really sure what to expect, but actually in the past 3 years there were two major news stories involving tunnels in people's neighborhoods. Tell me more. Oh, okay. Well, in 2019, there was an incident in Bethesda, Maryland, where a man was sentenced to jail because he had hired another man to secretly dig tunnels for a nuclear bunker he wanted to build. Oh, that makes sense.
0: I was like, what are people who aren't serial killers doing with tunnels, but like doomsday preppers that... That makes sense.
1: Yeah, I can't I mean, I would imagine it's not a crazy network like in this film. But the man who died in the tunnels died from a fire, which, of course, this tunnel was not up to code. There was no permit given. I'm sure it was very dangerous inside there. And the man who hired him was charged with second degree depraved heart murder.
0: Whoa, depraved heart Yeah, murder. Have you ever heard that of that? That sounds like a really cool band name.
1: <laughs> You're right, it does. We should have had it on our list <laughs> last week. Oh, oh my gosh, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yeah, apparently a depraved heart murder is like you set up a scenario that is so grossly negligent and obviously bad for sustaining
0: human life. Wow. Right. I mean- that's a very appropriate charge to levy against this person. <laughs> Crazy. Yeah. It's really sad.
1: Last year, there was a story about some oil protesters using tunnels to protest. Wow. This took place in the UK, and the group is called Stop HS2. And HS2 is a train railway system that's being built. And so the protesters. Are in tunnels trying to be in the way and just sort of block progress on the project. I love it. <laughs> there is one thing that AJ notices as he's walking through his tunnels that grosses him out. At least, at least he has a reaction to something, right? And it's the prenatal room with the video
0: and the toys. Yes. I mean, that's a very human response to have to that room. (laughs) It's a horrible room.
1: And this video is playing. And Kate, you know how I am. I I am one of these people that just hates boobs. And I'm not anti-breastfeeding. I don't want anyone to come after me with their pitchforks. I get it. I personally hate boobs. So I get squeamish. I look away. I just like close my mouth. I don't enjoy when it's happening, but it's fine. It's fine but this scene is gross. It, it is so gross to see the juxtaposition of her nursing a baby in this horrible, horrible room in this disgusting place. And you know that the mother of whoever she's feeding had the baby in that awful room with the bucket. It's just so disgusting. And I can't be the only one that thinks it's a little gross to see that video. In that moment.
0: I think that it like is taking this thing that's supposed to be good, I guess, which is like this old home birthing VHS type thing that's telling you how to bond with your baby via nursing your baby, and seeing it in this like dirty, dank, horrible space that you know a monster lives in. It just like is so. Repulsive. It makes you feel a little sick thinking about like what could possibly have happened down here to bring these things together.
1: Yeah, I hated it. Well, now we're in act three.
0: And your fear of breasts really comes to the fore here because this act is where Tess's storyline, Tess is still alive. Oh, God. Surprise, surprise. And AJ's come together as they're both trapped. By the mother in these tunnels the mother the
1: mother it's so awful and at the same time what a relief that all she wants to do is take care of them i mean they're in a pit
0: sweet (laughs) (laughs) it's a testament to tess that she's still alive because she recognizes what this creature wants she's like you have to let her be your mother you have to be her baby and then she won't kill you and AJ is like fuck that and it enrages the mother because she's like take the bottle take this gross 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 bottle Tess is like you just gotta take the bottle because if you don't take the bottle it's gonna be worse (laughs) it's so much worse (laughs) and then yeah I think you used the word tea earlier is like a perfect description of like what she pulls out To like then force AJ to drink off of with her like thumb size nipple.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's very animalistic. At that point, I'm just like, oh, those are udders. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, very much so. It's gross. And the thought of putting one of those in my mouth made me want to retch. It was actually kind of hard for me to watch because it was such a gross out factor for me. I think she has like long scraggly hair around her nipples too. Like they just made her very gross. Yeah. They did a really good
0: job. Okay, so the first act was, like, so much, like, tension, and then the second act was, like, so funny, and then the third act has a lot of body horror in it. The
1: third act also shows us the backstory of what I consider the true barbarian. What I think the movie might be trying to get at is the true barbarian, and that
0: is this woman's rapist and father. They do this flashback to the 80s, and show us Brightmore in the 80s it's so picture perfect suburbs and this horrible nightmare of a man is a serial killer that we see shopping and he's shopping for diapers and he buys the VHS that we see showing how you're supposed to nurse and all of that and the like sick reveal is that this guy has been abducting women and raping them and forcing them to have babies and then raping their children and forcing them to have babies. And it's just this horrible incest train. Having babies with those babies. Who knows how many of these babies and women he killed or died or whatever, like before they could come, come of age. But I was like, okay, in a best case scenario, The mother character is what, like, maybe in her 20s or 30s, maybe. And so I was like, maybe he hasn't raped anybody since the mother was born. (laughs) And he got too old to rape anybody. (laughs) Did he have sex with that thing, you think? I don't know. She wants a baby so badly that I almost feel like she would accept. This is horrible. This is a real dark place that we're getting here. It's so dark. It's really dark. It's a hard thing to think about.
1: (laughs) You know, and I say thing because she doesn't look like a person. She looks like a monster. And she behaves like a monster. I
0: know. Okay, so the movie is telling us explicitly, Andre is explaining to Tess and AJ, once they get out of the house and they think Mother is dead, what Mother is. That she is the product of generations of incest by this horrible man. but. She genuinely looks like one of the monsters from The Descent.
1: Yes. Yes. And she only comes out at night, which kind of goes along with that idea. And I guess is why she's so pale. She has these weird paranormal or superhuman traits about her that really confused me about what she was actually supposed
0: to be. She's so strong. She's incredibly tall and fast. She just seems so far apart from humanity.
1: She gets hit by a car and also smashed into the house. She passes out, I guess, with her eyes open. She looks dead. And she gets up like a few minutes later in the movie and chases them up like a water tower or some sort of... It's a water tower. Mm -hmm. Yeah. She bursts through the water tower wall and rips off a guy's arm she rips off andre's arm and like beats
0: him to death with it she throws herself off of the water tower hits the ground buttressing Tess from the ground so another person's weight on top of her and she survives oh and she gets up
1: and splits aj's head in half after shoving her thumbs through his eye sockets like I don't believe that the gunshot killed her. I just, how could
0: I? After all of these things happened to her, how is she dead? It's hard to believe that she's the product of incest given how monstrous she is. I want it to be like, oh, maybe this is like an urban legend. At the same time, like they do show us that that old man is still living in the tunnels. And mother is afraid of him
1: that's how bad he is
0: yeah she sees AJ like go towards that area and she backs away from it which is pretty scary
1: extremely scary and it's so weird when he walks into the room and it's just this old man with a bunch of videotapes like what's so scary about that you don't find out until we get to well thankfully we don't actually have to see the tape we know what's on it AJ plays it and we have to hear it, which Mm -hmm. is rough enough. But yeah, inbreeding does not produce monsters. It doesn't produce mutants. You don't get superpowers. I mean, if anything, you're more likely to be weakened by inbreeding. This interpretation of inbreeding really like threw me off.
0: My understanding of extreme inbreeding like things that happened among royal families hundreds of years ago or the egyptian pharaohs was that after several generations of really tight inbreeding father and child kind of inbreeding is that you just become impotent you just like can't bear children anymore and so maybe that's where mother ended up (laughs) if she really is but like Yeah, this is maybe one of the more kind of like fantastical or supernatural elements of the movie. Yeah, I guess it could explain why
1: she wants to kidnap people and treat them as her baby because maybe she can't have one and she wants one. I don't know. Have you heard of the Habsburg jaw? I have, actually. (laughs) It's really distinctive and it's actually a product of incest. Within this royal family, the Habsburg family, they had this really jutting jaw. They had big bulbous lips. And that's all attributed to inbreeding. I guess we do kind of see that in her. But they don't, like, stop there. That You know, they take it so much further. How many generations deep could she possibly be? Let's assume he didn't start in the 80s. Yeah,
0: that's what I was thinking earlier was... Given how old she seems to maybe be, like, best case scenario, she's in her 20s, but she might be more, like, in her 30s, that really she's only one or two. I don't know. It's it's hard to kind of square how old she might be and how many generations it would be. He must have started raping
1: the daughters when they hit puberty. And so that's, what, like, 12-ish, that area. So let's say he started in 1980 it's 2022 that's 42 years and it's probably not when he started because actually he goes down with the supplies and we hear somebody already in the basement screaming right yeah so let's say 50 years how many generations deep can you get well 50 four?
0: divided by 12 is four yeah i mean it's yeah. pretty dark
1: But I I still can't imagine four generations deep. That's how bad she looks. Yeah. Yeah. Australia is home to the world's most inbred family, according to the New York Post.
0: (laughs) The most reputable (laughs) source. Yeah. (laughs)
1: Title says four generations of incest. I'm looking at the photos The faces are blurred, but I'm not seeing any monstrous attributes (laughs) to these people. I'm not seeing any sharpened teeth. (laughs) Well, I'm not seeing any teeth. I'm not seeing anything like about their bodies that seems superhuman or super gross. They just look like normal people aside from the fact that I can't see their faces. So this movie is a bit of a stretch.
0: I think in the name of horror, though, it does a pretty good job. Oh, I love it. I I don't hate it. I think it's great. Thinking of like, oh, this person is so inbred because they're the product of 50 years of rape. Even as like a symbolic monster, like it's pretty effective. One
1: last incest factoid. Apparently, Saudi Arabia was having such a hard time with people marrying people who are too closely related that now they require couples to get genetically tested before marrying. Not a bad idea. It's great. 60% of couples end their engagements after they do this test. Isn't that wild?
0: 40% don't.
1: Uh, That's good. I mean, I I would assume that's because they're not too closely related, but that's a lot of relationships with relatives happening.
0: I think it's... Unavoidable in some areas. I think if you think about people who are from like Appalachia or like the Ozarks type areas where they're just like incredibly small communities of only so many families, you are just going to end up marrying a cousin. And
1: then you might end up with a mother monster. Mother Mother monster. (laughs) I thought it was so crazy that the cops just blow off Tess. But when you look at her, it makes sense. She totally
0: blends in with the scenery. Yeah, I was thinking about like how purposefully this movie takes place in Detroit and I thought it was interesting that it was a black cop and a white cop and it was the black cop that seemed to be like really dismissive of Tess. It almost felt like gaslighting. Like I don't know how I would have handled that situation. I mean, the more she protests the crazier she looks. The more she's like, it's "No, awful. you have to help me. I'm a reasonable person." It's like, "Well, what a reasonable person say that though." <laughs> it's horrible. It's such a It's just like
1: Keith in the beginning. Uh,
0: yeah, it's a really bad systemic issue where it's like, "Well, no one wants to help that area." They do take her back to the house, but then they're called on something more urgent, and I was like, "Oh yeah, this is what Detroit would feel like is that even if you could get someone to listen to you, there's always something more urgent happening. So you're never going to get that full attention that you need.
1: It's actually very heartbreaking when you think about it, especially knowing this is a real town and it is going through some hard times, like a lot of the Detroit area. I wonder how accurate that is. It wouldn't surprise me to find out that that's pretty much what it's like to live there.
0: So we talked about how the serial killer who built this tunnel system, abducted these women, was the ultimate barbarian. But I love that the movie doesn't let AJ off the hook for being a piece of shit either. He's pretty awful till the end. Oh, my
1: God. He's such an asshole. I mean, he accidentally shoots Tess, which uh, I guess I want to cut him some slack. But, like, you should have been able to hear her. And you
0: know that she's there with I know. you down there. I know. What were you thinking? It kills Come me on. that he shoots her. She's there to help him. And of course, he shoots her. And she
1: continues working with him. I mean, she doesn't have a choice at that point. But she's not like, what the fuck? <laughs> she's like, OK, it was an accident. I think she even says as much when they're on their mm-hmm. way to the tower or, you know, in the tower. But he doesn't have an accident the next time. He purposely pushes her off the water tower to save himself. He's a fucking piece of shit.
0: I know. She left that house. She got out of the house. She came back for him. He shoots her. She drives the car into the mother to kill the mother. She does so much for this man she doesn't even know. And I feel like it's a nice like circle back to circle back. Um to the <laughs> to the first act where she's ignoring her gut instincts about keith is she's doing it again but with aj where she should see that he's not a good person and is maybe not worth her own life to save and she does it anyway
1: he tosses her off the roof and mother jumps after her and somehow catches up to her this is like the next paranormal thing about mother right like she somehow jumps faster or falls faster than tess and it's not really that high up, but she's able to, like, get around and under Tess so that Tess survives the fall. <laughs> How did you feel about Mother's End? Um, Really sad.
0: <laughs> <laughs> she didn't choose to be born a monster. She was just kind of made into one. And, yeah, she kills people, but that doesn't seem like her fault either. She just seems like this animal supernatural type creature not like a person who has morals and so it just strikes me as incredibly sad that she finally had a baby and Tess to take care of and she wanted to sacrifice her life for Tess somehow survives and is like we can go now and then Tess has to shoot her to end it it just like it feels very tragic to me
1: I also thought it was really bittersweet I wanted mother to be okay, but I was like, there's no way this thing person will ever be okay. Like, there is no other option, especially because nothing kills this thing. Like, I'd be worried just about that. (laughs) Like, it might come after me. But yeah, I mean, she just wants to take her back home and love her, and she can't. She can't. I am glad she gets one in on AJ, though. The eye gouging out is, wow, that is so gross.
0: I know some of the deaths via mother are so gruesome and so good. Her squishing his eyeballs out and ripping his head in half is perfect. (laughs) It's a really good ending for him.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Again, she's very strong. I also think AJ throwing Tess off the roof is like the final nail in the coffin that he rationalized the rape because he rationalizes throwing her off the water tower.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. He's like, I had to do it. You made me do it. And it's like, okay, you're just a bad person. (laughs) Like, just fuck you.
1: Well, I'm glad we covered this really weird, really cool movie. I recommend it. It has like a really strong divide in the Google ratings that I saw. You either loved it or you hated it
0: if you're a Google user. I loved it. I think that if you're a fan of horror movies, that this one, if nothing else, is very interesting in structure. And I feel like horror movie fans are very open-minded when it comes to quality, as long as there's something interesting in its core.
1: (laughs) Don't look to this movie for accuracy on incest. Come to it for the scares and the internal horrors that it will unveil. We will see you next time with The Frighteners. Please join us. We're back on our ghost thread. See you then.
0: This was Not Quite Dead. Check out our other episodes wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow
1: us on Instagram at Podcast and on Twitter at NQD underscore podcast.
0: Follow our blog for bonus content at notquitedeadpodcast.com. Thanks for listening. And happy watching.